0: There you go. Okay, 1 Kings nineteen two through 18. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from abel mahola to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: And thank you, Carmen, (laughs) for reading that for us. If you would, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for stories like this that are so real and so uh strange at the same time. God, I pray that like Elijah we would hear you in the wilderness. In Christ's name. Amen. So <clears throat> We are in week two of our exploration of what I would say in what we called last week, Christian spirituality. Uh, Faith and spirituality are connected. And we talked about the fact that when we go into the wilderness, what happens is our faith becomes a spirituality. Uh, We move away from just dogma, which is this rigid set of beliefs to which we adhere and, and we admitted that there are a rigid set of beliefs to which we adhere, but when we find ourselves in the wilderness, as Jesus does in, in, the, in the scripture that Lauren read this morning, uh, or as here Elijah does, uh, we find ourselves in a place where that dogma and that faith has to be has to be transformed into a deep spirituality, or else we will lose hope. And we're doing this now during the season of Lent because it is in this season that we remember that Jesus went into the wilderness, that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness so that he might be strong, not weak, so that he might be prepared to face temptation. And in the wilderness, he found and knew his Father. And so last week we were reminded that we go into the wilderness to know God and we are knowing God in the wilderness. But this week we're going to talk about the fact that in the wilderness we go there to hear from God. We're talking about hearing God specifically in the wilderness, and so this story actually becomes quite good. It's a story that we've heard before, and, and maybe not the full story, right? But we've heard enough of it. We know the little bit, right? He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the rushing waters. He was in the wind and in the gentle whisper, right? We hear that a lot, but we don't hear the context. How many of you remembered that story? And when you hear that over and over again, knew, oh, but he was in the wilderness, What an interesting way this starts. So if you want some background and some stories, uh, God is flexing through Elijah all throughout throughout Israel. And in the moment, there's a king, Ahab, and his wife, the queen Jezebel, who are not good people. They are oppressive, violent, God-hating, unjust rulers. And Elijah is speaking words from the Lord against them and their prophets. God is showing that his one small prophet is greater than their prophets and he does greater works. And at this point, <clears throat> he has spoken against Ahab and Jezebel. And this is not about hearing God in the wilderness, but this, this is actually, um, I guess it's on my mind for other reasons, but I want a brief aside here. Like God has called his people to speak truth in the face of power and in spite of power. We are not to fall in line with power when power falls outside of the lines that God has drawn. We are not to side with injustice simply because injustice is in power. We are to speak prophetically, and here's the thing: when you speak prophetically to power, when you speak truth to power, you will find yourself. You will find yourself in danger. Now, sometimes that danger may just be social danger, like you may lose positioning socially. But Elijah finds himself in threatening, life-threatening danger. Jezebel, in in what we started out in, in what Carmen, uh how it starts where Carmen started reading, uh, is, is essentially saying, and she sends word to Elijah, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by that time tomorrow. In other words, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but that's, that's the message translation like all my life, (laughs) right? Like Jezebel sends him on my mama, I'm going to kill you. This is our singular aim. And so Elijah finds himself in a bad way. He has now got a price on his head. He's now uh, threatened by the most powerful people in the land under threat of death. And he does what so many of us would do, flees and as he flees he flees to the wilderness and so this is the context for this right sometimes what we get right when you hear this passage you know the thing that we think of or if you see it on like a poster in your Christian bookstore which they're they're all fading away and I'm not going to comment on whether or not I think that's good or bad um but, but we're, we don't have as many of them now. But if you were to go into a Christian bookstore and find that poster that you hang on the wall and it had this verse, what would be on it, right? Like a waterfall and a, a brook and, and, and it's calm and serene. But what's the context for this passage? Fear and wilderness, barrenness. Everything is working against Elijah here. When we enter the wilderness, sometimes we enter because the Spirit leads us into it, like we spoke about last week. But sometimes the circumstances of our lives force us into the wilderness. Either way, we must remember that this is a place of strength, even when we feel weak. And it is here in the wilderness that God speaks to Elijah. And we hear from God in the wilderness. This is where we're at. We hear from God in the wilderness. Now, in order for that to happen, we've got to realize a few truths, a really one one remarkable truth. That it's 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 one of those things that when you say it, you get like looks kind of side eyed, right? God speaks to us. Right now now you know why we get those side eye looks. Right. Because they're the folks who are like, God spoke to me and he said, get you a jet and have them pay for it. That's happened. Right. Or God spoke to me and uh, and elixir from the sky came and I bottled it up and it will protect you from coronavirus. And I wish that one weren't true. Right. And so when people say, well, God spoke to me, like, typically, right, it makes me think of Harry Potter, right? Like, even in the wizarding world, hearing voices isn't a good thing, right? (laughs) Like, when we, when you hear, like, I heard a voice tell me, that's, that's kind of like a red flag. And so when you hear me say, God speaks to us, God speaks to you. God speaks to me like that. Depending on how you how you were raised, like traditionally or how you view the world, that may raise up tension. But I want you to hear that it's true. And I want to break it down for a second. God speaks. There's almost no clearer truth in Scripture than the fact that God speaks. How many times in the Scriptures do you see, declares the Lord, or thus says the Lord, or the Lord your God has spoken. And then the Lord says, right, God speaks. This is a fact of Scripture. It's it's actually... As important a fact of scripture as there is, it begins with God speaking the very world into existence. Uh, You hear uh, in, in, in the Psalms that when God speaks, there's power and it lays the forest bare. God speaks when Adam and Eve, there's this understanding that Adam and Eve in the garden uh, walked with the Lord and heard from the Lord and conversed with the Lord. And when they sin, God speaks to them. He asks them a question, where are you? God speaks in, in Hebrews, which we just finished. How did that book start? Long ago and in many different ways, God spoke to us by the prophets and the angels. But now he speaks to us through his son. Right? The prophets, thus says the Lord, the, they, they receive a word from the Lord in Acts. It's even different. Like In Acts, what's interesting is with the Holy Spirit, they're not hearing audible words from the Lord, go here, not there. But yet, for some reason, they wanted to go somewhere, but the Spirit of Christ forbade them, is what the Scripture said, Or the Spirit told them to go here or there. The Lord speaks, and in Revelation, he will speak a final word. He will speak and it will be finished. God speaks. The word of the Lord is a part of his glory and his, 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 and the word of the Lord is a part of who God is and how God achieves what God does. God speaks. But not only that, God speaks to us. We're called to listen. Today, the scriptures say, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did at Meribah and Massa, when I swore in my wrath, they would not enter my rest. God speaks to us. You need to hear that. If you're in here and you have a relationship with the Lord, the Lord speaks to you. But but that does raise really important questions. And we're going to explore three really important questions in this text and kind of in general. This text is the launching point, but just in general. Um, <clears throat> how does God speak to us? It's really important, right? How does God speak to us? Why is it so hard to hear God? And then finally, how do we position ourselves to hear from God? Just three questions that we're going to explore. I'm actually going to change the order of this because, no, here we go. How does God speak to us? All right. I want to give us a general understanding of the nature of God speaking to us, because the scriptures talk about God speaking to us in a lot of different ways. And the first and actually primary way that the scriptures talk about how God speaks to us is through the scriptures themselves. God says a word, God has spoken, and we listen to that word. I think it's very interesting that uh, if you look at Micah 6, For example, what's happening in Micah 6? The people of God are afraid that the Lord isn't hearing them. For some reason, they don't feel the response of God. And so they're giving all of these different sacrifices. And the sacrifices don't seem to be working. Their praise doesn't seem to be working. What shall we offer the Lord our God? A different, a better sacrifice? More songs of worship? What shall we do? And then what does Micah say? Micah says, he has shown thee. Already, that's past tense. He has shown you. Brothers and sisters, men and women, people of the earth, humanity. He has shown you what is good. What the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. Well, where had he shown his people that? In the law. In the scrolls, in the law that they would have read or had read to them or, or repeated over and over again, the law is full. See, we get caught up on these specific bits of the law and specific pieces in Leviticus where we want to fight about things. But if you look at the overarching theme of the law, it is do justice care for the vulnerable and be a people who walk humbly before God so that you will be set apart in the land that I have sent you so you you follow me as God and you welcome the stranger and the sojourner and you care for the poor and you cancel debts and you do acts of justice and then there are so many things about what happens when you steal and how do you pay back reparations what happens when you do these things and how does justice happen and at the same time what's the law full of sacrifices and what is sacrifice about mercy God shows mercy and we show mercy And all of this forces God's people to walk humbly, to walk carefully before God, knowing who they are and knowing who God is. God spoke to them through the scriptures. We read and study the scriptures because we believe that in it we meet God. Not so that we can have right, like we want right doctrine, sound doctrine, but that's not the goal of reading scripture. If the goal of reading scripture is to answer theological questions, then you can use the scriptures well and never meet or experience or know or hear from God. The goal of scriptures is God, to get God, to be with God. The scriptures serve us in that way. And in them we hear from God. We hear about his character. We hear about his nature. We hear about his love. He speaks to us. Also, the second way, so through the scriptures, but then also through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Each of you have the spirit of God in you, speaking to you, abiding in you. The Holy Spirit speaks in different ways. We call it the conscience sometimes. And it's funny, what does Paul say? Paul says, like, listen, there there are multiple ways we can do certain things, but, and we don't have to call them sin. There are disagreements that we have that we don't have to moralize. However, if we have a disagreement and you are a Betraying your conscience, that is sin. Why is that sin? Because your conscience is the Lord, like is the Spirit of God just poking you, pricking you, prodding you, saying, do the don't this is it. This isn't, right? And listen, that's what's interesting about it, is our consciences are sensitive about different things. I know some people whose consciences won't let them watch Game of Thrones and others whose consciences are like, Game of Thrones is that thing, right? Like, And, and listen, and people will have battles, and what we can't say is like, you're not a Christian for watching Game of Thrones or you're not a Christian because you don't have the liberty to watch Game of Thrones. That's not the point. The point is if your conscience does not allow you to watch Game of Thrones, don't. That's okay. And if someone else's does, fine. That's okay. Right? But the, the thing is, don't don't betray your conscience in order to... Right? Like, the conscience is a gift, and it's one of the ways. We, we call it the conscience, and, and the Scripture looks at it and, and, and says, that's the Holy Spirit of God. Like, prompting you and moving you in a certain way. Now, there are certain things that should offend all of our consciences, right? Like, murder, right? Like, if your conscience is not attuned to the fact that you ought not murder, then that's a problem, right? And so we know we can speak to certain things, but there's so much, there's so much more gray than there is black and white. And we listen to our conscience, the Holy Spirit. Also, the Holy Spirit, and and again, I said this before, they wanted to go into, I forget where it was, Macedonia maybe, I can't remember, but the scripture said the Spirit of Christ forbade them. And it never says how it forbade them, but what we know because we get it in there. Anytime there's like a booming voice, it seems to be in the scriptures, right? So we can rightly assume that Peter and and whoever was with him, that what happened there, uh, Luke and Paul, I believe, right? Was not like, don't go to Macedonia. But it was sort of this like, this doesn't feel like the right move, actually. Like the more we think about it, like, we, we actually maybe we should go here right like you know that 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 inner audible that you have right and if uh, i'll speak to the husbands in here right like that inner audible that your wife has that's god speaking to you <laughs> right like like call that audible you know like those things it's the holy it's the holy spirit and listen like sometimes we overdo it, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I want to talk about it now. Where, like, everything we want to do is the Holy Spirit and God. That's not the case. But sometimes you just, there's a sense, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Now, here's the thing the Holy Spirit does not speak to you and contradict what God has already clearly said. Again, so to use that obvious example from before. If you're like, you should kill that person, right? That's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? Because God already said, Don't murder, you know, that's not the Spirit. Right? And so we have these checks for us. The Holy Spirit also speaks through us through the community of faith. This is why we need each other. This is why nobody does nobody goes through life on their own and does well. Right? Like you need other people to run things by. We do this all the time. We ask for advice. We look to the elders for wisdom, like to the, to the to right, like to the ones who've come before. And when I say elders there, I don't just mean like. Me and Joey in the church. I mean, like, those who've come before. Like, you realize when you're a kid, you're like, my parents don't know what they're doing. Then you have kids, and you're like, actually, I need to ask my parents for a little advice. Because they didn't know what they're doing, but they kind of know now, and I don't know what I'm doing. And that's how it works. Wise people get advice. Wise people seek wise counsel. And the Spirit of God, the Lord has spoken through other people. Sometimes it's really direct, right? And in ways that you wouldn't expect. And I'm not saying this is normative, but I can speak back to when I was 11 and I got baptized. And I shared my testimony when I was 11 and got baptized. And at the time, from 11 through about 22, I wanted to be like a sports broadcaster. I loved sports. God had not given me the stature to be in a sport long term but i knew it and so i wanted to talk about it as much as i could and i gave that that um 11 years old right so that's 21 years ago right and (laughs) and afterwards the uh, my pastor put his hand on me and just said uh look i think god's calling you to preach I was like, Nope. Now listen, I'm not the guy who's going to be like, I think God's calling you to whatever. Like that's not me. He was, he did. And I, it's kind of like an odd, crazy roundabout way. Like that was not like me saying, yep, got to preach now. But the Lord just slowly put me to a place where actually now this is what I do. And I look back on that and laugh because I remember thinking, "Uh -uh, no, right? And sometimes the Lord does kind of speak to you like that. You see that in like Samuel and and Eli, right? But sometimes it's just simple advice. Hey, I don't know what to do here. I'm juggling between these two things here. Or sometimes it's just gentle correction. Like, hey, man, like I love you too much. and, And I think this isn't great for you. You know, like humble, gentle correction, right? Because conversely you're not God and you haven't been called to be God to anyone else. So relax on that. But when people see something going on and they just want to let you know, like, I really want to encourage you to pursue that. Like you're really good at that. Or they say like, man, you know, that this looks like it's actually, it looks like it's actually robbing you of life. You might want to you might want to step back from it. Like, that can be the Lord. God uses community to speak to us. And then also, like, this is what's funny because, you know, we're Western Christians and so we try sometimes too hard to avoid looking Eastern, Uh, even though Christianity is an Eastern religion. Can we just talk about that for a second? Right? Well, we are. Because the scriptures say that actually, through nature, we see the invisible attributes of God. And sometimes... Nature speaks to like God speaks to us through nature one of the songs that I love and we sing it every once in a while uh, but is this is my father's world you you know the song this is my father's world and to my listening ears all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres and right? it's true nature declares the glory of God, and in nature like Even in this story, he's in the wilderness. He's not in the city. He is out in nature when God speaks to him. So I wanted to give those things, but then kind of jump back into this text uh, and see um, some things, right? See how it is that we hear from God, right? So we've got these two truths. God speaks to us, and God speaks to us in a variety of ways. He does it through scriptures, through the spirit, through community, through nature, through our conscience. So why then is it so hard to hear from God? Because I dare say that if we asked, if we took a poll and asked people, especially Christians, maybe not especially Christians, but if we took a poll in the church, in this church, and the church, and we asked, like, do you hear from the Lord? Uh, The categories for that would... Be like, they would either have like no category to understand what you mean, or largely people would say, I don't know, it's really hard. There are some who would say sometimes, and then there are some who are like, I hear from the Lord all the time, and then you'd have to interrogate what that even means, right? A little bit, you know what I'm saying? And so, why is it so hard? All right. Well, the first reason is. Actually, unbelief, and I don't mean like you're not a Christian unbelief. I just mean like you don't believe God speaks or you don't believe God will speak to you. Here's the thing. Here's why unbelief makes it hard to hear from the Lord. It's not because God only speaks to you. Or God is only speaking if you have belief. If you believe he'll speak to you. Like a lot of times we put it on our faith. What I'm not talking about is you don't have enough faith to hear from God. No. What I'm saying is if in you there is the sense that God does not speak, then you naturally will not be listening for God. Does that make sense? Like you don't hear what you're not listening for. And you don't listen for what you think isn't speaking. And so for us, we have to have that mindset shift that we can and will hear from the Lord that God does speak to us. Unbelief, in that sense, kills our ability to hear from the Lord simply because we stop trying. What else? This one we see directly in the text. Uh, I'm calling it, like, person, place, and posture, right? I guess I just didn't want that many points, so I combined three into one. But person, place, and posture, I've got to move. So look at what happens. Elijah goes into the wilderness. He's running for his life. He's screaming at the Lord, and, and, and then it says, uh, a day's journey journey into the wilderness, not eating, just moving. He's exhausted. He came and sat down under a broom tree and he said, Lord, just take my life. He just asked that he might die. And then look at verse 5. He lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel of the Lord touched him and said get up and eat and he looked and behold there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water and he ate and he drank and he lay down again like there's there's a, a meme that's kind of been circulating maybe you've seen it i'm going to read it to you because it's funny but it's it's also true right so this is your gentle reminder that one time in the bible elijah was like god i'm so mad i want to die So God said, here's some food. Why don't you have a nap? So Elijah slept, ate, and decided things weren't so bad. Never underestimate the spiritual power of a snack and a nap. Right? But here's the thing. It's true. It's true. When I say your person, I mean your body. Like when you're hungry, listen, so it's interesting because we fast to show ourselves that we need the Lord. But uh, when when you're hungry, all you hear is your body, right? When we talk about doing justice as a prerequisite to doing gospel work, we talk about feeding people. And it's not because we think what they need most in, in their life is food. It's because we know, That you cannot teach, this is a problem that we see in our schools, right? You cannot teach, you cannot reach, you cannot help people who are hungry, their body, our bodies naturally go into hunger mode. It's survival mode. All of the frontal cortex shuts down and it becomes fight or flight to get food. And sometimes we are just... Some people are naturally in that state because they don't have... Not naturally, but they're in that state because they don't have the resources to get the food they want. Sometimes we put ourselves into that state because we're so busy that we... Like, have you ever had a day where you you got to dinner and you realized you didn't eat that day? And then you look back at the work you did that day and you were like, ooh. Right? Why is that? Because you don't do your best work. When you're... When you're you're hungry, you don't do your best work when you're neglecting your body. And it's the same thing with our spiritual lives. You see, we can't divorce the spirit and the body. But also there's place. What happens? Elijah runs into the wilderness. Now he's forced into the wilderness because he doesn't want to die, which I submit is reasonable. And he goes into the wilderness, and there he doesn't have messengers from Jezebel. He doesn't have the people that he's dealing with. He has silence. Sometimes, sometimes, we can't hear from the Lord because there are other voices that are louder. And we're surrounded by other things. It's hard to hear from the Lord when Netflix is telling you that in four seconds, the next episode is going to start. It's hard to hear from the Lord when you do everything you can to unplug and rewind in debt. Now, you know me, I'm like the unplug guy. Like that's what I preach, like unplug, right? Rest. But there's a difference between rest and just constant noise. There came a point in my life where I realized I couldn't have silence. And then as I investigated and interrogated my need to always have something on, I realized that it was because when it was quiet, my brain started reminding me of all my fears and my anxieties and my worries. And instead of in that moment acknowledging them and speaking them to God, I thought it was easier, and it is, to just drown them out in parts and rack. Right? Right? It's easier. We do this. Like, why do you think there are 9 million channels on cable and most people don't even have cable and there's... 15 different streaming services with all of this entertainment. Why do you think that, and, 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 we, and everybody keeps seeming to still have money to make more entertainment. Why? Because we are constantly trying to dead that anxiety. We are constantly trying to, to drown out those things. We are entertaining ourselves to death. Because it's hard. Life is hard. So sometimes we need moments space where it's quiet where there isn't music and lyrics where there which music and lyrics are good things where where there isn't comedies or Television, which those are also good things. Entertainment, it's a good thing. But sometimes the voices are too loud. Sometimes the voices in the political world that we live in now, the landscape that we live in, are friends. Like, those voices, it's not that they're not good things, but it is that if we do not make space for silence, we do not position ourselves to hear the Lord. And then the last thing is posture. When Elijah comes to the Lord here, he is... Desperate to hear from the Lord. So we've got unbelief. We've got person, place, and posture. And then the the last reason, well, it's not the last, but the last one we're going to talk about, why it's so hard to hear from God is the wrong expectations. We ask the wrong questions so often. Like, God, what do you want me to do next? It's a reasonable question. But it's not always the right question, and it's not, and we expect that God's going to show us the next step, when all God wants to show us is that we're His. We talked about this last, or yeah, last week, that tightrope of in the will of God, and if you fall either way, you're outside of the will of God. And so we think, what we've got to go to is like, God, how do I put this next step, right? And, and the thing is, in Scripture, we have this thing, right, called the Word, right? Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that lamp is like a foot lamp, and it shows us the next step. And we're trying to, like, God, the next step is great, but how do you vision board with the next step, right? Like, and the Lord hasn't promised you anything more than the next step, right? Right? And if we're citing Harry Potter, we can cite Frozen, right? Like sometimes all we can do is the next right thing, right? Like that's that's all we have. But we look and we're like, well, God's not speaking to me because God hasn't told me what to do with this. That's not what God has promised to speak to you about. And you may find that when you hear God in the other things, it gives you the peace to make a decision and to just walk in it. We, we're looking for the wrong type. We're asking the wrong questions. We're telling God the wrong things. God, just kill me, is what he says. Would you just kill me? Why, why not? <laughs> and God has a different word for Elijah than the one that that he has, that's interesting, Elijah speaks to God, but then after God gives Elijah food and rest, then it doesn't, the conversation doesn't restart with Elijah. It's not like, now ask me your question, Elijah, what do you need from me? The next thing is, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah what happens is the Lord isn't telling Elijah what to do. The Lord is helping walk Elijah out of himself in order to find who he is and where he is and why and to rest in the Lord. This one is going longer than I expected, but we're almost done. The wrong questions, and we're looking for the wrong types of responses. So then this is interesting, he gets up, he's hungry, he's eaten, he's slept, he's satisfied, he walks, he's looking for the Lord, and the Lord says, I'm going to pass before you. And so then there's a great wind that breaks the rocks into pieces. That's got to be the Lord. That's my God. My God's the rock breaker. You listen to the rock breaker. And when your God speaks, the rocks in your life crumble before you. That sounds like a sermon that'll preach and get hits on, 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 on Twitter or whatever, right? But, but that's not where God is in this. We're looking for this big rock breaking God. And God wasn't in the wind that broke the rocks. And then what is there? There's an earthquake. God's trying to get your attention and he'll shake you up. Amen. He'll shake you up. He'll bring that earthquake, except in this story, God's not in the earthquake. That was just tectonic plates shifting. And then what is there's fire because our God's a consuming fire, right? And you can stop and you can get and everybody will stand up at that. Our God's a consuming fire and he's going to consume you. And when you burn in that fire, you'll no! Except that God's not in the fire. We serve a big God. We do. But sometimes that big God speaks in silent and mysterious and small ways. And then after the wind and the earthquake and the fire, after all of that, after all the noise, do you make it through the noise? You actually get to quiet, hear a whisper, a low whisper. You see, we have the wrong expectations. That's why it's so hard. And here's the last thing, and it's, it's really quick, this last question. So then, how do we position ourselves to hear from God? There just a few things. When God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah says in verse 10, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. I've been jealous for you. I desire you, God. I I am jealous for you. I want you. In order to hear from God, we must develop a deep, abiding, working love of God. Do you love God? You see, when you love someone, you want to hear from them. And it's the same with the Lord. Do we love the Lord? Is that why we're going to the Lord? Or do we love kind of our, our dreams and so we're going to God to validate and rubber stamp our dreams? Or do you just want, I just want to hear your voice, God. Say whatever you're going to say. That's the first thing is develop a deep and abiding working love of the Lord. The second thing is this, don't neglect your body. If you want to hear from the Lord, if you want a deep abiding Christian spirituality, then we do not divorce the body from the spirit. We're not Gnostics, which means you will have your healthiest spiritual relationship when your physical life and your mental life are the healthiest. It means you need to eat. You need to eat well. And when I say well, I don't mean a lot. I mean, eat well. Eat foods that will actually nourish your body, right? You need to sleep. And rest. You need to exercise. Like Elijah just walked a day in the wilderness. That's pretty good cardio. Right? Eat, sleep, rest, exercise. I I think about um, Marshawn Lynch, right? Take care of your body, take care of your chickens, and take care of your mentals, right? Like... Your body, like physical, your chickens take care of the resources, the finances that God has given you, and your mentals, like your mental health. All of these things allow you clarity to hear the Lord, and I know I joke a lot about the fact that, like, you can tell I don't go to the gym and all of that, right? But, like, I can tell the difference in my spiritual life when I'm exercising and when I'm not, when I'm taking care of my body and when I'm not when I'm disciplining myself to eat well and when I'm not. These things matter. Just a couple more. Develop rhythms of rest, silence, and solitude. You've got to get to a place where the noise isn't there. Go outside. Get outside of your house. Get outside of the city sometimes. But mostly get outside of what's comfortable. Pray honestly. Don't be ashamed of the God just kill me prayers. Like I can't pray that to God. Lord, in this difficult time, I trust that you you provide for me. And so I'm not afraid or anxious. I'm waiting in you. Come on. Like Elijah went to heaven in a chariot. He's lived a life we can model. And he was like. Kill me. Like, just, just do it. I'm ready. Right? Like, just kill me. Like, be honest with your prayers. Be honest with God. And then be ready to listen. Because when he heard that voice in the wind, or that voice, that, that small whisper, that low whisper, it says, And Elijah, when he heard it, wrapped up his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance. He was like, boom, that's it. Like, he was sensitive to the Spirit and he listened as soon as he heard Which means we have to be sensitive to the Spirit. And when the Spirit starts to speak, we need to listen. One of the ways that you can do this, this is not something I do, but it it can help. One of the ways is through journaling. Right? Like, just journal out what you're thinking and what, what you feel like the Lord is speaking to you and look back on it. Another way is just to, to, to um, process it with other people and community. Be careful to listen to the Lord. God speaks to us. He does so in the wilderness. And it's this ability, this practice, this honing in of this skill to speak with and to listen to the Lord that will most deeply cultivate a Christian spirituality in your life. You know, there's times when you're like, I don't feel fed. What your spirit is really saying is, I don't feel union with God. And these practices, this listening, this meditative solitude, will work into that. Let's pray.